How are we doing? Are we grateful that our lives allowed us to be in Ramdas Puri for summer solstice 2011? By the grace of God, eh? Eh? Any Canadians in the room? Sorry about that Stanley Cup. Any Bostonians in the room? <laughs> Sorry about that Stanley Cup. Let's give the sound crew a huge hand because... They serve this camp from before Sadhana in the morning until after all the entertainment is done in the evening. And they do a marvelous job. I mean, this is a really complex setup. You look, you look at all the wires and all the speakers hanging above you that you pray remain hanging. Yeah. They do. They've been there for... Ever. <laughs> Let's tune in. Inhale deeply. Exhale. Tune into that air that you're breathing, the tatva air. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale to begin.
My name is Guru Singh, and I had the privilege and the gift of meeting Yogi Bhajan five days after he began teaching in the United States, in the Western world, on January 10th of 1969. I also had the additional blessing of owning a car, and that was a prerequisite to being his driver. So, for the next two years, I was his handyman and his driver. How many of you as little children ever caught an insect and put it into a glass jar? Raise your hand, say, I am. So, that's how I felt. I had, I had caught this master yogi. And I had put him in my car. And I could take the lid off, ask a question, and get an answer. And it was a dream world. So much so that he eventually started calling me question sing. Which I took as a compliment, I don't know. There's an, uh, there's an old saying, such a fool doesn't know when they're being insulted, you know? But this was a relationship that was extremely important to documenting everything because I, I still do. I took copious notes to the extent that I would sometimes have to take notes at stoplights and while we were driving. His world was, is, in you, and his world is magical. Even to the extent of logical events, logic is half of, this, half of the cosmos, the other half is magic. Magic is the feminine, logic is the masculine, and because Logic in the masculine world has been the dominant. Most of this event that we experience as life is governed by laws of logic. That which you can predict, that which you can define, that which you can observe. Magic, on the other hand, is that which you can't predict, you cannot define, and you cannot observe. And yet it, it accomplishes 50% of the makeup. The relationship between magic and logic in this realm known as the physical world is what is known as the binary field, meaning that there's bi, meaning that there's two, there's polar opposites, always working against each other, and it holds all of structure together. Well, one morning, we were driving to the yoga class, and it was early in the morning on a Saturday, and there were no cars around, and we came to a stoplight. And he always sat right in the passenger seat, and I'm stopping at a stoplight, and he says, go on through. 
Well, that's not logical. But I was about to find out that it could be logical. So, there was no cars anywhere. No cars anywhere. So why stop at a stoplight? I guess is the theory. So, I did. I went on through and bingo! Out of nowhere, of course. Logical. So I pull over, Yogi Bhajan is talking to God, I'm looking in my wallet, the policeman comes up alongside the car, and you know, policeman standing up here, car's down here, he's kind of looking down at me, can't see my passenger. Driver's license, please. You didn't have to have insurance in those days. Driver's license, please. So, I give him my driver's license. He looks at me and all of a sudden from across the car, this booming voice, Box City, you know. I made him do it. The officer thinks, you know, he might be hearing me, he doesn't know, see the passenger. He says, pardon me? So Yogi Bhajan says it again. I made him do it. This big policeman crouches down, looks across the car and goes, Yogi Baba? He says, it's Bhajan, sir. Yeah, that's what I mean, said the policeman. My daughter is can't stop talking about you. She takes all of your classes. Now I'm just a I'm just an observer, you know. There's this conversation going on. Yogi Bhajan says, "Yeah, well that's where we're trying to get to. We're a bit late, so I had I had Guru Singh, I had Guru Singh go through the red light." Oh, no problem. Hands me back my license. Follow me. Gets back into his patrol car, gets in front of us, turns on the lights, and off we go. We pull into the parking lot of Jules Bucieri Antiques, which was where the classes were being held, with a police escort. We're late, so kind of like everybody is hanging around a little bit outside. You can see the people at the door, they're looking and they're running inside, and then a bunch of people are coming out and they're looking, and we're like, oh my God, who's getting arrested? So the policeman comes, gets out of his car, comes in, waves at his daughter, his daughter waves back. We go in the class, teaches the class. The whole thing was magical. And as I say, Yogi Bhajan lives, no past tense, lives in that binary field. Logical, magical. And that is the nature in which air, the tattva of air, creates the least resistance. Of all of the four physical tattvas, earth, water, fire, and air, ether being ether, but of the four more physical tattvas, air is the most pure transmitter 
It transmits sound without great and much interference. It transmits light without much interference. So it's a perfect condition for us to exist in. We exist in the spectrum of the five tattvas. There's elements beyond it through the ethers and beyond. There's elements below it moving into the black hole regions and even beyond that. Too dense, too compressed to allow anything of buoyancy to exist within. And we're buoyant creatures. We live in a fluid body. We're 70 to 75% water, 90% when we're born. And water is held together by tension, pressure, stress, and friction. So we live in this temple, which is held together by the things that we don't like. We don't like tension. We don't like stress. We don't like pressure. We don't like friction. What are you going to do? Because if you don't have them, you don't exist. Your job is to learn to dance within them. Dance within them. And the way you dance within them is with your consciousness. Your consciousness is so important. What you focus your consciousness on, what you relate to with your consciousness, you can refine that and refine that and refine that and refine that. And Yogi Bhajan refined his to the maximum. We will only discover who his physical presence was years and centuries from now. We are like a baby on a $25,000 Persian carpet made of silk, intricate, 500 knots per square inch. And we're laying on the corner of the carpet, sucking on the fringe. The carpet is like 30 feet by 20 feet of the most glorious configurations of mandalas and mantras and you can't imagine. And there we are. And you've got one thread and I've got another thread and you've got another thread and we're just going at it. And we think we know the carpet. We don't know the carpet. But we're getting there. We're getting to where we're going to stand up spiritually, just like 7.5 million years ago, we stood up physically. We are in the process of the second standing up. Are you ready to stand up? I don't mean stand up. I said, are you ready to stand up? Are you ready to be able to raise your kundalini at will? And be a neutral state in a negative or positive condition. Are you ready to stand up? Yes. Are you working to prepare yourselves to stand up on a daily basis? So no matter who you meet or what you do, you're going to be the stand-up person in that, in that arena. Yes? yes? Good. The third law of for every action there is a... And that reaction is equal. Well, it's obvious. I mean, it's opposite because it's re. Action, reaction, equal. So, 
we have dilemma, solution, correct? Equal, yes? Solution is equal to dilemma, yes? This is just Yogi Bhajan blowing in the, um, in the metal, making sure that we're doing it right. He's still in charge. Now, I tried to use a very large marker because I knew some of you were back there, so get out your opera glasses. Event. Dilemma. Problem. Okay? Say it. Event. 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 My dilemma. My My problem. problem. Solution. Solution. Equal to dilemma. Whose dilemma? Whose dilemma? Your dilemma. Your dilemma. You've got the dilemma, yes? Everything has to be equal, yes? So what do you also have? You've also got the solution, yes? The only thing that differentiates the fact that you know that you're equal to your dilemma is your belief system. What are the initials of belief system? What are the initials of belief system? You got it. Dilemma. Dilemma. Solution. You have capacity for every dilemma. Otherwise, you don't have dilemma. Ever had a dilemma? then you have capacity. Our job in life is just to raise our belief system, to comprehend that if we have dilemma, we have solution. Period. How many have had a big dilemma in their life? Raise your hand, say, I am. You were not given a big dilemma without its compadre, right? Big solution. What? What is going to open the channel between big dilemma and big solution, which must come together? They can't come as individuals. It's not a singles bar. Married couples only. Dilemma is married to solution. Ma, Ra, Ej. Ma is the moon. Ra is the sun. Ej is the time. Ma, Ra, Ej. Marriage. They come together. What will open the channel between the two? You're reading my note. You've got good eyesight. No. Trust. Trust 
You've got a big, big dilemma. What do you spend your time doing? You spend your time, worry is part of this, you spend your time describing, defining, promoting your dilemma. You get on the phone, I've got a dilemma. You get on the other phone, you've got three lines going. You text it, you send it out to 50,000 friends on Facebook. I've got a dilemma. What do you also got? Solution. Now that's very boring. You give 50,000 friends on Facebook your dilemma. Now, now you're the subject and the object of concern. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, yes. Oh, I know. 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 You got so many people just caring for you, huh? That's fun. Isn't that fun? Come on, don't deny it. I'm not denying it. Don't you deny it. That is fun. Misery loves company. But if you broadcast on Facebook, I got a major dilemma and I got a major solution. Nobody pays any attention. Who cares? Let's move on to something more exciting. You know they might, they might call you up or they might communicate with you. Notice everybody now they say, oh yeah, I talked to somebody. Or I talked to somebody the other day. You know. Somebody might call you up and say, oh yeah, solution, solution, solution. Tell me about your dilemma. Because that's how we are wired. It's not because we're bad people. We're wired this way. Why are we wired this way? Because we were wired this way to produce this body through millions of years of really big dilemmas. I got a family of six and I haven't found anything to eat in three weeks. Dilemma. I'm running because there's a saber-toothed tiger chasing me. Dilemma. This is the same emotional body that we have been using for millions of years and nothing has changed. And so we walk around and our negative mind, our deductive reasoning is scanning, constantly scanning, constantly scanning to find what begins with a D. Dilemma. Because if we don't find the dilemma before we find lunch, we might end up as lunch. Do you understand? That is what humanity operates on. That is not what you operate on. Because you are teachers. Whether you have completed your KRI training level one or not is not my point. You are teachers. Otherwise, you would not be on Ramdas Puri eating dust Baking in the sunshine, drying out like a raisin, 
getting ready to do three days of white tantric, sitting in perfectly straight lines for 62 minutes at a time. Let's hear it for not being normal. You are teachers. Yes. And you have dilemmas. Every single day, we are to stretch into our body glove. We are to tune our nervous system. We are to expand our respiratory system. We are to clarify our circulatory system so that we can operate in this spectrum of the five tatwas without having our physical forms drag us down, drag us down, drag us down. So that our physical form is the most buoyant that it could possibly be. Yogi Bhajan came to the West to produce teachers so that we could spread throughout the world and raise the frequency. What's the most... There's a contest going on now in the world. It's going on in the world of politics. It's going on in the world of religion. It's going on in the world of nations. It's going on in all of the worlds. Who can claim that the other side is a big dilemma? Do you understand? Who can claim that someone else is a big dilemma? It doesn't matter if it's a big dilemma about this or a big dilemma about that or a big dilemma about the other thing. All they want to talk about is the dilemma. And you've got to walk through, through the crowd. You've got to walk through the crowd and you've got to say, yes, I understand your dilemma. I completely understand. I completely comprehend your dilemma. We have solutions. Not, not we, we, oh, I have solutions. No, no, we have solutions. We have solutions. Dilemmas are great. Dilemmas exist. We have solutions. And you walk through. There's a reason for me doing this. You walk through the crowd and you meet the person that is a waitress waiting on you in Española when you're down there eating enchiladas because you're tired of mung beans and rice. And the waitress has a dilemma. And the we that sits at that table has solution. You always have to keep yourself with your sadhana attuned to the fact that every dilemma has a solution. We may not know what the solution is. We may not know what the solution is, but it's there, isn't it? And what is the mechanism that connects solution to dilemma? Trust. 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 So you got to say, I don't know how to solve this, but I trust we can do it. I trust we can do it. And then what's going to happen? You're going to fail. It doesn't work first time out of the box. No relationship is one of those take it off the shelf and it works for the 500 years that it was guaranteed. Relationships. How many in here have relationships? Raise your hand and say, I am. I am. 
Relationships are a kit. You build it over time. Nothing is out of the box. And this trust is going to fail. What am I doing in this room right now besides talking? Rhymes with. What is 50% of walking? Failing. 50% of walking is falling. Falling. And then you catch yourself and rise to the occasion. Then you fall again. And you rise to the occasion. Falling is incredibly scary. 7.5 million years ago, we first stood up by holding on to the mangroves in the marshlands of eastern Africa. It took us 4 million years to remain standing. 4 million years to remain standing. And the number one thing that our brains had to overcome was the fear of falling. Because we were good like this on all fours. We weren't falling at all. Four-leggers pull themselves forward. They don't fall forward. Four-leggers have always got three legs on the ground. The one thing that we couldn't comprehend for four million years was that falling was a good thing. And another way of spelling falling is failing. You've got to understand that the most important thing that you do every day is fail. Because what failure means is you had the courage to try something new. You had the courage to do something that you didn't know how to do. Remember I was telling you, what was it? Uh, Peace Prayer Day maybe. Yeah, I think it was Peace Prayer Yeah, yesterday. Don't you notice up here how time's kind of odd? It's always, rise up, rise, but I just went to bed. And the crazy thing, that group that walks around every morning, you know, we don't have a pause button. You can't put us on pause, snooze alarm, right? Come back in 20. So what I was saying is, is that failing is so important. You will not master anything unless you are totally willing to fail. Because education, the classical definition of education is entering the unknown with enough courage to make as many mistakes as are required in order to turn the unknown into knowledge. So in classical education, around the time of Plato, around the time of Guru Nanak, you were rewarded for your failures and your successes were noted. Your success is, uh, good. Try something you don't know now. You've got that. Try something you don't know now. Yes? Not this gold stars ring a bell, tell the world when you succeed and get your rear end kicked when you fail. So we grow up being afraid to fail and wanting to reach that approval rating. Yes? Which is how we run politics. This is how we run religion, which is how we run every major enclave in the world today. Not because it's wrong, but because no one has stood up to show a different way. Are you ready to stand up to show a different way? 
Those of you from Europe, are you ready? Those of you from Latin America, are you ready? Those of you from North America, are you ready? Those of you from Asia, are you ready? Those of you from Africa, are you ready? Everyone! Yes! We're all from Africa. So the idea, the idea that you have this nature that requires failure is essential. Just know that something is connected to that failure. If for every dilemma there is a solution, for every failure there is a success. Thomas Edison, when asked by a reporter, how many, how many things have you tried to make that electric light bulb? And he said, oh, golly. Round figures, maybe 10,000 combinations. And the reporter said, and you're still trying? You failed 10,000 times and you're still trying? Thomas Turturri said, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I have eliminated 10,000 failures. So every time you fail, every time you fail, go, ha ha, I failed, I just failed. I don't have to do that again. But instead we go, oh my God, I failed, I hope I don't do it again. What are you going to do? You're going to do it again. Because until you honor that failure, you must repeat that failure. Say it. Say it again. So think of a failure that you've done just in the last 24 hours. Just one of them. Eliminate all the other few hundreds, okay? Just one failure of the last 24 hours. Close your eyes and get that one failure right there in your brain. And now, open your eyes and go, excellent! I just failed! And I don't have to do it again! And then take that failure like a buddy and walk around and introduce it to people. Check out my failure, will you? I'll tell you, I had a failure yesterday morning. I have these two timers that wake me up. And so I don't set them for a, for a, a, a clock time. I set them for the number, of, uh, the number of hours and minutes I'm going to be able to sleep. You know, so I go, uh-oh. <laughs> Three hours, 22 minutes, okay. And then I try to go to sleep so it's not 21, 20, 19, you know, like that, right? And I set them for about five or seven minutes apart so that if the first one doesn't succeed, the second one might. The first one goes off, I wake up, I don't know where I am. I don't know what's that noise. I have no idea. And I'm almost ready to lay back down and not wake you all up. <laughs> it was just, and I go, wow, I just failed. 
And I went, yes! And I got up, and you know the rest. You have to really embrace your failures. The number one fear of human beings comes from the second chakra. It's the fear of being embarrassed. It's more, it's more feared than death. Because when people are extremely embarrassed, what do they say? I could have died. Or I wished I were dead. Embarrassment controls us. And it's about failure. And it's that if you expose, if your failures are exposed to enough people in your clan, that you will be extricated from your clan. And that's the old wiring from hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years ago. You don't need those wires anymore. Just disconnect them and that's it. And how do you disconnect those wires? You disconnect those wires by leading with your heart brain. Your heart brain. Say it. Heart brain. There are neurons and neurological pathways in the heart. Medicinal, me medically. The heart brain. That's you. The heart brain sits here in your heart. These, area, these three areas are the areas that we're trying to influence in Kundalini Yoga, meditation and chanting. This is called the reticular formation and it's made up in the brain stem which is called the primitive brain of the medulla and the pons. It's certain neurological connections, a formation of neurological connections, which holds all of the memory of all of your generations, not your incarnations, your physical body's generations. According in Kundalini Yoga, seven generations are active in DNA in your body, influencing you. Two parents, four grandparents, eight, 16, 32, 64 and 128. That's 2 to the 7th power. That's 254 ancestors. Direct ancestors influencing you at this moment while you're sitting there listening. They're influencing you. Their DNA is alive in you. And the record of what they want and what they don't want is held here. And that is why we do neck lock when we chant. And you chant, Ek, Ong, and you're vibrating the reticular formation. What you're doing is you're getting that reticular formation to become you. And you're getting all those 254 direct ancestors to become enlightened. They don't want it. But once they get it, they will love it. Your greatest challenge is direct family lineage. That was a laugh over there. Somebody says, yeah, you can say that again. The other area on the other side of the heart, the heart is right here. On the other side of the heart is your solar plexus. 
diaphragmatic breathing. Breathe deep, right? Diaphragm down, belly out. Breathe deep. Lower one-third of your lungs absorbs seven times as much oxygen and prana as the upper two-thirds of your lungs combined. Deep breathing. Move that. What else goes into the solar plexus is what is known as the akasha. The akashic record is the record of every one of your incarnations. 84,000 human and 8.4 million pre-human incarnations. Every one of which you're living right now in this moment. Seven generations of DNA, 8.4 million plus 84,000 incarnations coming through to you, through to you, through to you, through to you. And you're going, what's for lunch? (laughs) The moment you can get this and this and this and this and this and this to become calm, to become less influential, to become more Present. What does present mean? Presence. Right? Presence means before there's any sensation. Right? In that state of grace. So you get this chanting. You do a lot of this in yoga, right? In physical yoga, in breathing, in the pranayama, everything, right? Are you awake? Say, I am. Awake. I am. Awake. I am. Awake. Awake. What is this called? Reticular formation. What is this called? Solar plex. Good. Reticular formation. Solar plexus. Get these to calm down because this comes right through the mid spine. This comes right through the mid mid neck. It radios to the resting kundalini right there. A diagonal between your navel point and the base of your spine. Halfway through the resting kundalini, the coiled nerve. These two points, radio. Path is clear. You can stand up now. Path is clear. You can stand up now. And the kundalini begins to rise. And you start to see things different. Then you get scared. And it's your grandmother getting scared. And your reticular formation. And it's, you know, three incarnations ago going, you come right back down, you go, okay, enough of that, woo, yeah, yeah, and you go through that, and that's a failure, right, that's a failure, a failure to stand up, right, so what do you say about a failure to stand up, woo, yeah, yeah, I failed to raise my kundalini, I am so pleased. I failed to get up for morning sadhana. I am so pleased. Won't have to ever do that again. Well, that may be one of the failures that we have to work on, you know, over and over. Do you understand? Do you understand? So when this starts rising and these start clearing and it doesn't clear all of it, it just clears the stuff that's going to block you. Because there's a lot of good stuff in there. A lot of good stuff in here. And that you're going to need. But you can't go through all that data. You can't go through all that data and figure it out. You just have to use that T word. What is that T word? Trust. Say it louder. Say it louder. Excellent. And so, what happens when you start standing up? What is this belief system called in an acronym? What is it called? What is it called? You start 
getting that belief system to match your, which is solution equals dilemma. And you walk up to any situation and it just gets in your face and you go, wow, I don't know how, I don't know anything, but I'm equal to this, that I know. I don't know the details. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to describe it. But it's a cosmic law. I'm equal to this. Oh, no. <laughs> right? And everything. It's me. It's me. It's me. Say it. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. Think of this. Think of a bunch of people that know you. And they all have a conversation, a private one on Facebook. And they all start talking about you. And if they're really excited and it really spreads quickly, what are they talking about? Your solutions? What are they talking about? Your dilemmas. And you don't know that they're talking about in your cognitive state, in your unconscious, you know that they're talking about you. And they're talking, they're talking stuff. This is being broadcast around the world, so I'll use that S word instead of the other S word. They're talking stuff about you. And then you appear on the scene, and everything kind of goes quiet, nobody's saying a word. But you get a feeling. Ever had that feeling? Ever had that feeling of stuff? Right? And immediately, immediately, what happens to your body? What happens to your body? It feels like stuff, doesn't it? And you feel something's in the air, don't you? Huh? How many? Am I in the wrong place? They send me the wrong. How many? I say I am if you've had this sensation. What do you do? What do you do? You fail. You go, how could you do that to me? You go around to them individually. I'm surprised at you. And those, you get those that you're surprised at. Then you got another group that you're disappointed in. And then you got another group that you're angry with. And you know, you separate them into categories, right? Yeah? In each one of those categorical events, what are you doing? It's an F word. You're failing. You're failing. So what do you say? Come on, give it. You fail, don't you? Because what is this? What is this picture? Begins with a D. And what is that dilemma? It begins with a G. I say it louder gift you're suddenly given a gift to do what with find the which is there it's there isn't it and what are all of these friends that you've put in these categories what are they to you Huh? 
Yeah, they are your, they're really good friends because they took this on knowing that they were going to get catch holy bejeebers or whatever other words you can use on national, international broadcast. They were going to catch a lot of flack, you know, right? But they trusted that the friendship could last through it. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? Do you understand that those things that happen against you, those things that happen against you are dilemmas for you, interpreted by you, produced and projected through you, for you? And every time you don't live up to being able to solve it, you have failed and that's exciting. Are you with it? Are you able to have that little much attachment to the good or the bad? To be able to walk through this physical environment of the four tatwas, breathing the air so that you can feed your heart and clear your reticular formation and your solar plexus so that you can raise your kundalini and all your friends are gathering around you to give you stuff to help you along your way? Yes? And you know the ones that give you the most stuff are the blood family. And there's a reason for that because they have that same genealogy. Genealogy. 